There's a lot of discussion in the business world about work-life balance. But today we've got a really interesting topic. We're going to be talking about work-marriage balance and a number of fascinating interplays between the two, all of which should challenge and inspire us to think seriously about our work and our marriage. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 47, and we are going to be talking about materialism and marriage. You know, we found this really interesting preparing for this podcast, and I'm sure you're going to be interested as well. And really, it's a challenge to think about the choices and values we place on material things and how that impacts our marital satisfaction. Roland, I think we should start by saying that we don't think that wealth is bad. No. Nor do we think that it's wrong to prosper. No. Nor do we think that owning and enjoying material things is bad. No. So... What we're going to see from the research is that it's not so much the value of things, but the value we give to things and to wealth. Oh, okay. Okay, so let's talk about how marriage makes you wealthier. This is kind of interesting. We're going to talk about how work impacts marriage. We're going to talk about how materialism itself affects marital quality. And lastly, we're going to talk about how starting a family sooner or later as a financial or career decision affects life and family satisfaction. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So the Lord Jesus said that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. And that came from a moment when he had just observed how hard it was for a wealthy person to value the the intangibles of life over the tangible things that were in his life. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, you know, we live in a world here in North America where things are everything. Mm -hmm. You know, the bigger home, answer vacation, the higher paying job or all the things that are promoted as bringing us more happiness. But I think we know in our hearts that while some of these things increase our pleasure momentarily or temporarily, they're really just the carrot on the stick that we never quite reach. It's never enough. Yeah. They don't increase happiness overall. Right. Yeah. Sorry. After you hit a basic threshold. Okay. Like there's a poverty is tough, right? Yes. So yes. it's fairly well documented. Once the basic necessities of life are met, that helps a lot. Right. But beyond that, you're just chasing the carrot. Yeah. So one of the things we're going to learn is that if we take care of our marriages, it actually takes care of a lot of other things. And that's what we want to talk about. So let's just get right in it here. So the right. first piece of research I want to refer to is from 2005 by Zagorski and the Journal of Sociology. He used a longitudinal study and... A longitudinal study just means that you you get into people's lives again and again over a long period of time. Oh, yeah. So they're harder yeah. they're harder to do, but they're really cool because it tells you how things unfold in people's lives. Yeah. So studied youth and then folks in their twenties, thirties, and forties. Okay. Single people. This is what he found. Single people slowly increase their net worth over time in general. Okay. Married people experienced seventy seven percent more increase in net worth than single people. Really. Yep. And on average, for married folks, their wealth increased 16% for each year of marriage. Wow. Yeah. Divorced people, their wealth starts to decrease four years before the divorce. This is really averaging stuff out here, okay? Yeah. And they end up experiencing an average wealth drop of 77%, same amount, but the the other way. So a huge impact. Yeah. So the message is not, stay wealthy, don't get divorced. 
The message is, if you have the opportunity to get married, go for it and then take care of your marriage. Because one of the usual blessings is an increased likelihood of growing your net worth. Very interesting. Yeah. Huh. And I think another point is, you know, just kind of putting aside the heartache, not to diminish that, but putting aside the heartache and the really difficult consequences of divorce, you know, it's way cheaper to do counseling or coaching or marriage enrichment work early on and even when you don't think you need it or when you really know you need it than it is to go through divorce. So we really want to think about what we're doing in our marriages proactively to maintain the quality of our marriage. That's good. Because it's sad that the divorce rate goes up as wealth does. That's another observation. Okay. I thought wealth went down before people got divorced. The wealthier a person is overall. Yeah the more likely they are to get divorced. Wow. It's kind of, it's, that is in parallel with, yeah, it'll drop as a result of the divorce or as part of it, but yeah. So why is that? Because people have more options. The more money you have, the more options you have. Yeah. So some people like, you know, it just sounds brutal to say it, but if you think about a younger mom who was never educated in a low income relationship, if she leaves that, how hard that's going to be for her. Right. Right. Yeah. But if your half of the estate is $945 million, I can't remember the guy who just finally processed his divorce. I saw that in the news. You know, wow. the financial consequence of you leaving that marriage is not severe right. at, at all. Okay. Okay. You're going to have to get a smaller yacht. But that's just sad. It is. You know, and it's fine to say there's options if you're stuck with a cheating, unfaithful spouse and you think, but that's a grounds for divorce. But it's sad at the same time, like you say, because it's easier to ditch the marriage then than to work on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's just something to consider is that the value of investing in our marriage is beyond just, you know, there's emotional benefits, but there's also some very real life quality benefits that come with that too. Yeah. Although I'm, I got to be really careful that I'm not trying to say, you know, stay married so that you stay financially comfortable. Right. There's higher reasons to stay married, but... Yeah, but that's just kind of like a side thing. It is. Complete aside. It is. So let's talk about the work that we choose to do as it relates to creating wealth and being married. Now, now there was another research article from the Journal of Family Economics. They surveyed 372 couples. And this is just things that we have to consider about when we're choosing or consider when we're choosing our work. They found that for men, that working a fixed night schedule lowered marital quality compared to men who worked on fixed days. Hmm, I can believe that. Yeah, it's tougher, right? Yeah. Marriage is suffered when work schedules limit the time that men can spend with their spouses. That makes sense. That makes total sense. So we're not condemning anybody. Like if this is what you need to do to make ends meet, God bless you for working and for working hard. Like sometimes you got to do what you got to do. We have good friends that have done this, but it's hard. And I think that's where, you know, to be aware of this is to compensate for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And And if you can, sort of over a longer term, come up with a plan to work towards an alternative that's going to meet your financial needs, help your marriage, and just start exploring options for that so you can get to a better place. Yeah. For women, they found that it was a little bit different about how they chose work. And I think the difference is because of the expectations that come around getting things done at home. So the things like the disruption to family life, uh, time for herself, engaging with family members, all culminated in a negative marital effect if she was working rotating schedules. Interesting. So rotating schedules seem to be more severe for women as opposed to the fixed night schedule is more severe for men. So that's another challenge as well. Yeah. I think we need to say though, like if you're feeling really stuck and like there's no alternatives mm-hmm. out there, 
then that becomes your task to really figure out ways you can make the best of it and compensate for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you don't have to accept that your marriage is doomed because this study found you're that on this was detrimental. Yeah. yeah. But really, maybe Be just... Be aware of it. And make that extra effort. Yeah. So another note about work from a separate study, because work ties into this, and this study looked at patterns of infidelity. Individuals with higher incomes are more prone to engage in infidelity. And they believed or they concluded that this may be because their professional and personal lives included more opportunities to engage in what they call extra dyadic relations, which is scientists speak for an affair. Oh, okay. So wealth increases opportunities for affairs. No surprise there. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Just thinking now, it all through. Yep. Related to this, infidelity often happens in relation to work or mm-hmm. connected with work, right? which could have significance for individuals who are working long hours and trying to get wealthy. Oh, so as we're thinking yeah. about this whole materialism, wealth, marriage thing, you know, we really need to think about how our efforts to get up and above may make us vulnerable to affairs. Yeah, if we're spending 12 hours a day with an attractive coworker of the opposite sex, yeah. like you can see how that vulnerability would creep in. Yeah, you're spending more time with her than your spouse. Yeah. So some researchers found that about one half of participants who had cheated on their on their spouse and who sought therapy for their marriage, they had met their affair partner through their work. Hmm. About half of the affair partners are met through work. And another study noted that for men, as their income goes up, so does their infidelity. For women, it's the opposite. Really? Which is interesting, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a cultural phenomenon. Okay. Yeah. The, sort of the wealthy, it's just how we're socialized as men. Okay. Yeah, we can get into that. But that's a whole nother topic. Okay. So let's just not go there. So there's another relationship there for Linda in, in our work and what happens at work and the time we spend at work between materialism and the impact that that can happen on marriage. Again, it doesn't mean work is bad. We just need to be aware and be cautious and set boundaries around relationships. Yeah. And think about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then let's talk. Let's just shift gears. Let's talk about attitudes towards spending. And materialism. Now, materialism, we just got the definition here as it's the excessive desire to acquire and consume material goods. Okay. And let's think about how that impacts marriage. So there's a study by Carol et al. in 2011 that looked how aligned couples were on how money should be spent. And based on their alignment about how money should be spent, they asked how did that influence their marriage. So hmm. even, even when they're aligned on how their money should be spent, if they were both pro-materialism, like they both believed, held, appreciated a strong desire to acquire and consume goods, they had a lower quality of marriage. Huh. Because they were putting like material stuff over their marriage. Yeah. Huh. Okay. The kind of averagely happy couples they found in their study were those where one was high in materialism. I would have thought that would have been opposite. That they would have been more stressed because of the difference. Because of the friction there. Yeah. yeah. But the best quality of marriage has occurred when the couple was both low on materialism. And so it kind of leads to the question, well, why is that? When the, the same researchers, they did another study, and they noted there that the materialistic attitudes, that those have a stronger impact on your spouse's perceptions of financial problems than do the levels of couple income. So how bad you want mm-hmm. influences your perception of your financial problems. Oh. Not how much Because if we want it, but we can't afford it, right. we're going to be unhappier than living within our means, even though it's right. low. Right. Huh. So is that $200 pair of shoes is your normal, right? Mm-hmm. But you make enough money, you can afford $200 pairs of shoes. Now you're looking at $1,000 pairs of shoes that are on sale for 500 and it's hard for you to get that still. Okay. So you're wanting it still way out there and you're dissatisfied. Hmm. So it grows. Higher levels of spousal materialism are associated with increased perceptions of financial problems. That's kind of what we've been yeah, saying, right? because you can't afford anything yeah. you want. 
which in turn are negatively associated with levels of marital satisfaction. So your marriage satisfaction decreases if you perceive that you have a lot of financial problems. And that all is driven not by actual, like not by actually not having enough income, but because you're wanting a lifestyle that's beyond where you're at. And your income could be anywhere there. Yeah. It could be low or high or You could be making a six-digit income and you have the same problem as folks with a five-digit income. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So we really need to think about the value we place in material goods. It just reminds me of something that the Lord Jesus taught in Matthew. He said, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. And, you know, we know what that says, Verlinda, but we often interpret it backwards and think, if you have a lot of wealth, you'll fall in love with it and you'll wreck your life. So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeah. Yeah. And he was actually saying the opposite of that. He said, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. So whatever you love, that's where your heart is. Mm-hmm. That's where your value will grow the most. That's where your treasure will be also. Yes. Huh. So it's what we love or what we value that matters, not if we have a lot of value. Oh, okay. And that's how you can be wealthy and be in a very happy marriage, I believe, by placing higher values on relationships, on spirituality, on family, social justice, all these other good, intangible things. Okay. Yep. So final shift of gears here, still in this topic of marriage and materialism. One of the big decisions we make is when to start a family. And that's where emotional and relational issues meet head on with financial and career issues. So here's what the research says. This is from a U.S. national study of 3,500 individuals. And just to to jump right to the outcome, both men and women reported lower levels of life satisfaction when they had previously decided to delay family for their career. This is out of 3,500. Yeah. Okay. And both men and women, they reported more work family stress as a result of having to decide to delay family for the sake of career. Wow. So I just want to cross-reference that to another study that points out lower rates of having children is directly linked to materialism. Now, huh. I'm not saying everybody starts a career late is doing so because starts a career they're selfish. Starts a family late? Uh, family late is okay. doing so because they're selfish and career-minded and so on. I mean, we shouldn't judge people when we no. see that because they could have infertility issues that we know nothing about or yeah. other factors, right? But this is just for those that are trying to make this decision about do we start a family or do we have a career? Here's some advice from the research. And- What I kind of took from these studies, once you get on the let's get rich first and then have kids bandwagon, it's really hard to get off that. Mm. Right? Yeah. So the research- going to lower your net worth or- Once you get off, yeah. Once you get off. And then how does that influence your perception of family? Right. They're just in the way you resent or- Very easy to do so. Yeah. Yeah. And the other people that you grew up with who made the same choices because the birds of the feather gather together thing, Yeah. they may keep going and they're going to pull away from you and you're going to see that. Right, so your social, it's really complex, right? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, the research indicated that those who do not delay relationships and family tend to experience significantly more satisfaction with life, which is a challenge to think about what does success look like? Yeah. Is it satisfaction, marital happiness, all that stuff? Or is it what I got parked in the driveway, what's in the garage, so Mm -hmm. on? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I hope this has been challenging. That's what we're here for, is to help you build thriving, passionate marriages. And sometimes that means we're going to challenge you on what you believe about life in general. You know, I think I should say, too, that in our family, confession time, <laughs> I'm the more materialistic one between the two of us. And, uh, you know, as I was doing this for a minute, it cer- certainly gave me pause to stop and think about how easily I desire to acquire things. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wanting gets ahead of my liking, as I say. Yeah. 
And it's, you know, it just gave me time to stop and ask, is that the kind of husband, father, and man I want to become who's never satisfied with what is around me at the moment? That's a challenge. Yeah, yeah that is a challenge. All right. Do you want to wrap it up? Sure. So in closing, I just want to say, if you're new to our podcast, welcome. We're so glad you joined us. And we do this weekly here from our home in Saskatchewan, Canada. So make sure you subscribe in iTunes or your podcast player of choice. And just in case you haven't met us, quote unquote, I'm Caleb Simonigandel. I've earned my Master of Arts in Marriage and Family Therapy from Trinity Western University in 2010. And I'm a registered clinical counselor. And I co-host this with my very beautiful and emotionally intelligent wife, Berlinda. And uh, we create this show weekly with help from a research assistant, Esther, who's also a counselor, and our producer, Jason, who does a terrific job of making this an optimal experience for you, our listener. So remember, you can get the full show notes today at oif.link slash 47. And we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. If you have a question or something you'd love to hear us talk about, you can send those questions in to us at questions at onlyyouforever.com. And don't forget, if you want to learn more about how to get way better at communicating in your marriage, make sure you check out our Talk To Me 101 e-course. You can learn more about how you can get that training over at talktome101.com. Yeah, a communications course for smart couples. Very smart couples. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.